and he constantly talks about which bridges he used to pee under uh, and how he misses driving a cab. He asks all the cab drivers, where do you pee? Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the boys of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yeah, baby. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Boom shakalaka. Ooh, he's heating up. That's right. He's heating up. He's heating up. <laughs> On have you fire. Seen, but have you seen some of the the uh, tweets from Larange? By the way, it, it, the NBA Live thing made me think about uh, Larange. He's uh, in oh, yeah. he and, he's uh, in England or Scotland or somewhere. Yeah, right he's in now. the UK. They're doing a tour of the UK, and he's got some badass pictures, especially of Scotland. It looks like fucking like uh, hot fuzz up there. <laughs> 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 it looks like these. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Larange is a wonderful friend and producer of uh, hip hop music uh, that uh, that does our theme song, and uh, he's on tour in the UK and. Uh, it looks very pretty. Hopefully, he's not running into Timothy Dalton and a bunch mm. of uh, a bunch of you know. Dickheads. Speaking of Timothy Dalton, <clears throat> I thought today when I was watching a bit of Jurassic Park, Pierce Brosnan could play most Sam Neill roles, but I don't know that <laughs> Sam Neill could play most Pierce Brosnan roles. I'm trying to Discuss. figure out how you got there, dog. So, okay, Timothy Dalton, then to Pierce Brosnan, sudden Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. James Bond. That's all oh, the connection oh, I need. Okay, I got you. I got you. They both played James Bond, and then a Sam Neill thing, and we launched a die, a die another day, or yeah, yeah, Halle yeah, Berry yeah. dies, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. We launched yeah. that today. So mm-hmm. James Bond is in my mind. I'm watching Jurassic Park, and I actually, what happened was I heard Sam Neill say a line, and it sounded like Pierce Brosnan because I'm racist, and all British people sound alike. Yeah, and that's right. Then I started thinking about Pierce Brosnan in that role, and I realized it would have been just as good. You don't lose anything. I'm not trying to knock Sam Neill. They're both great actors. But I don't know that Sam Neill could have pulled off like uh, the Thomas Crown Affair or uh, James Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, Sam Neill's from New Zealand. So they're not all British people. <laughs> Just but the New Zealanders are British. Is. Is he God New Zealand? Am I even more racist Australia than I thought? New Zealand. We better get it right because <laughs> I'm sorry, Jesus. Sam, he Sam Neill was born in Ireland. There we go. I was born and in Ireland. He, yeah, he has an English-born mother and a New Zealand-born father. Aha. His family moved to the South Island of New Zealand in 1954. He was seven, so he's all sorts of different white. Everyone's correct. <laughs> All sorts of different white. <laughs> I actually agree with your contention that Pierce Brosnan could play Alan Grant. and But that Sam Neill, as much as I love Sam Neill, I don't think uh, Sam Neill could play Pierce you think Brosnan. He could, you think Brosnan could play Vasily in Hunt, Hunt for an October? Ooh, that would be a, good... a stretch. That would be now, a stretch. see, that's the, that's the first argument I've heard that I'd give credence to against my posit. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure he could play the character Sam Neill played in the piano. That's 
easy enough, I think. Um, I have to admit, I'm not up on my piano knowledge. I saw that once. Uh, he's the dickhead husband of Holly Hunter. Oh, he's the husband. And then she goes with uh, with. Uh, he starts Dickle fucking Mc, Harvey Keitel. McDicks yeah. a lot. Yeah, that's right. He, McDicks he a lot. Dick. Yeah, he shows his dick. He always Harvey Keitel always showed his dick back then. I yeah. remember him having a nice dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful dick. <laughs> beautiful dick, the, Peter. Yeah. Fuck all um, you want. Just wear a condom. <clears throat> <laughs> Um, God, I don't, you know, uh, I don't know how much of that, uh, previous is going to show up at the beginning of the show. All so, of it, baby. Anyway, All of it. uh, it's a basic ass episode today. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been several weeks, so you guys have to be pissed off about something at this point, right? There, I mean, there's something that's building. I'm taking crazy pills! I'm as mad as hell! You've never seen me very upset. I'm just gonna tell you up front, I may need to go last, because I'm I'm going off book. I'm dumping all of my rant ideas for a happy rant. Okay, Ooh. if so, you're not first, you're last! I'm pissed off in a good way. <clears throat> you guys who okay. are truly angry should probably go first, and then I will lift us back up. You know, I don't know how truly angry I am, actually. I took, it took a long time for me to try to f- come up with a rant. The one that I wrote down, I don't really, I'm not really happy with it. Um, um, most of my, I've, I've said this before. Most of my, my anger is always directed towards people who drive. Um, uh, I, I hate traffic. I hate entitlement. I hate, uh, people who don't know what to do when there's a green light in front of them. I hate all <laughs> sorts of things. What do I they, do? Yeah, exactly. Um, I will, I will take a, a, another particular thing that I hate in traffic today and, and say that you ever, uh, drive behind somebody who realizes, oh shit, I'm going that the wrong way. And they pull into a driveway Mm -hmm. and then they expect you to slow down and wait for them to get out of the driveway to go to the, so that they can turn around and go to the other lane. I have never allowed anyone to do this, by the way. I'm a, I'm a pretty nice driver, but when you've decided you've learned that you have made, you've been going the wrong way. And you've gone into the driveway. That's it. You are just like any other asshole who has to pull out in traffic at this point. You are not entitled to any anything just because you have to do something special. Mm-hmm. And I hate it. They, they you see it all over the place. People pulling off on you know medians or or the edge of the road or whatever. And uh, and they you know it's it, just because you have something special to do doesn't suddenly give you powers on the street that you're like everybody's just going to part for you to do that thing once you're off the road you're off the road the other day uh it was was a couple weeks ago i was driving down uh i was driving down charlotte and i was driving uh you know towards uh where the post office is and everything and there was a jeep in front of me and the jeep got over into the left lane to turn somewhere. And so I started to make my move to drive past that Jeep, but Mm -hmm. that Jeep was like, Oh shit. I didn't go into the right place and pulled back out in front of me Mm -hmm. to, to do that thing. And they did it 
three fucking times they went into another left lane, missed that didn't realize it wasn't in the right place. And every single time I was like, okay, that's where they need to go. And then they would pull back out in front of me and they're like, mm. no, you don't have any special rights because you fucked up. There's yeah. no, there's yeah. absolutely nothing different about uh, you and any other asshole who's turning off, the, turning off the road. Once you get out of the lane, you're in that lane. You have to wait for other fucking people at that point. So oh, anyway, that's, that's one of the many fucking things I hate about goddamn driving. I've seen so many weird things. Uh, I'm driving a lot more now because of just a lot of bullshit, but I have seen, I've seen so many weird things in the last month that it makes me scared to be out there. It's got a little wilder. It's got a little wilder recently. I bought a dash cam I'm about to install in my car oh, for this very purpose. That. I need to um, do that. And uh, I've been spending a lot of time. This is not my rant. Uh, this is uh, just an add-on to Chris's on a subreddit um, called Idiots in Cars, which is just a lot of dash cam footage. I've seen this. Other drivers <laughs> just being shitheads, morons, everything from aggressive angry driving to just clueless driving but, but this my is the, favorite, like the most egregious shit that you've ever seen the one thing. going around yesterday and the day before was this dude in a white lamborghini who stopped in the street because there are cars in front of him stacked up trying to turn into a gas station so if he goes forward he hits a car and this clueless girl comes turning from the per- per- perpendicular street and slams into the back of the lamborghini and then the rest of the video is her telling him off, saying, that's my brand new fucking car you just hit. And then accuses him of white, like, privilege. Um, it is hysterical how she's either a really good actress or she truly believes that accident was his fault. Even though mm. ultimately the video ends with the gas station attendant showing video from the surveillance cam for proof when the cops show up that the Lamborghini was sitting there still and she came up behind him and bashed right in. <laughs> what the and when fuck? she's walking up to his window, he's got his window closed, but he's still recording and she's walking up to his window and he's like, Aah! like he's just so angry that someone just wrecked his Lamborghini. Good God. You ever wish you were uh, one of those people that uh, refused to admit they were, they were wrong. I mean, like, it must be uh, nice like, to go through life. I like, had right? some sort of. I, I I know these people. I've I've run into these people that that absolutely. It doesn't matter if you've got them clearly. Like you could be showing them like a signed contract that they they agreed to and like initialed every every word, and and they will find a way to say no. It's either your fault or you know what I'm talking about. Like that. Yes, and I'm the opposite, moment, right? man. I, I'd get out of the Lamborghini and apologize if it was me in that story. I'm like, I think everything's my fault. Um, but yeah, it must be nice to go through life thinking everything is somebody else's fault. Like even when you rear end somebody, like whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, drivers suck. That was you made me think of that entitlement there that. You know, goes so far as to wreck into somebody else's rear end and blame them. I see it. I see a lot of, I I mean, even today coming back, uh, I was, I was driving and like the, uh, I was, there's two lanes and in the right lane, there's a car that's going a little bit too slow for a car that's behind it. And I'm driving 
I'm not, I'm not like quite there where it's like a, a true cutoff. If you, if you pull and pull out in front of me, but like, I'm going to pass and you're, and you, you don't have to pull out in front of me. I'm going to pass pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And you see these people all the time. It's like, Oh my God, this guy's going too slow. I need to get over right now. And that's, I mean, it just like, come on, just, can you wait for a second? Like, what is it about the second that's so un- unnerving here? Like you, you could just wait for me to pass. It's the same thing when, you know, you know, somebody who's waiting to pull out in the traffic, you're the only car left. There's like nothing. There's fucking tumbleweeds behind you (laughs) and somebody fucking pulls out in front of you and like, you couldn't wait two seconds to, you know, I understand that sometimes you get to a place and you're like, man, I've been sitting here forever. If I don't take my chance, I got to do it, but not in these situations. You know, about, let's see, 14 years ago when I was still going to church. I was teaching a Sunday school class for teenagers, high school kids. And the lesson every week boiled down to me saying, selfishness is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. And that was 14 years ago, but I fucking called it, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like every yeah, time we did. would talk about, okay, so the basis of the Sunday school class, so you guys don't think that I was just, you know, I was still like a Christian at this point. Uh, the idea was to take controversial issues like, uh, gay marriage, things that were controversial in the church, um, and apply um, Wesley's quadrilateral to them, where you, you're supposed to be able to take something like we talked about, like downloading MP3s illegally or what have you, and you apply scripture, logic, history, and experience. Um, <clears throat> and you know, at the end, you sort of combine those four perspectives to figure out what you believe about this perspective. And I never told them what to believe, but I always... We always ended up talking about selfishness. Murder, somebody was being selfish. Robbery, somebody's being selfish. Um, you can trace any problem with humanity back to selfishness. People who never admit that they're wrong, the actual definition of selfishness. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what if you anyway. download an MP3 illegally for your gay marriage? Mm, that's a good <laughs> What's question. What's funny is that I bet you there are churches all over the place, well-meaning, that use illegally downloaded music all the time um i bet it's common as all get out <clears throat> yeah, of course of course man anyway who pays as, for music anymore uh as an aside the one of the problems one of the big reasons i probably left going to church anymore was taking one of these sunday school classes and like someone telling me that um some you know child in africa who's never heard of god before is going to go to hell because they they know intrinsically that there is a god and i'm like okay i i can't i can't deal with this anymore i just can't that's crazy i can't wait to talk about uh way down workshop stuff in a little bit uh and speaking of religion my son's going through confirmation classes right now uh mm. so <laughs> i've been inundated with religion weirdly after all these years and i'm like oh <laughs> this is i thought i thought i wasn't going to think about this anymore anyway my rant my rant is is uh fairly simple i have been binge watching the sopranos sopranos uh, mm. in advance mm. of trying of of watching the many saints of newark which i think chris is going to talk about later on i am uh, i have held off on watching uh, that movie until because I'm you know halfway through season six, the end of the, the the road there. Because every every time I'm like, you know what, I'll just cut it off here and watch the movie. Every time I do that, 
Tony will mention something about Dickie Maltzasanti or like he'll talk about his dad or he'll talk about one thing or another. And it probably has nothing to do with many saints of Newark, probably. But I'm like, maybe, you know, having that sort of perspective recently will, will kind of give a little more contextual uh, succulence mm-hmm. to the, <laughs> yes. to the watching of the movie. Mm-hmm. The Sopranos is, is, Widely considered, I don't think universally, but widely considered as one of the best TV series of all time. It's if not the best. It's certainly the series that brought cable television into a new era of storytelling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. If you don't, if, if, even if you don't like The Sopranos, you have to give it that because even the, the HBO shows before that, they were okay. Mm-hmm. You had your Arlises of the world and your, <laughs> you know, your, you know, dream on and all uh, that bullshit that was, that was playing. What is it? Uh, the, in the mind of a married man was one of them. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And was, uh, I don't, and when, when did, when did Oz come into play? Was Oz before that? Oz I think Oz been. was before. Oz yeah, I actually think it may have overlapped. Yeah. They, they sort of overlapped, but, it, but it was the Sopranos that brought people to, you know, I mean, Oz, I mean, I, you, you, anybody who's ever watched Oz and I'm not one of them, but mm. I, 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 it's a series that I still need to see. Um, but anybody who ever watched Oz tells me how fucking amazing it is. And JK yeah. Simmons and all that. They always talk about how great he is in that. But, um, but yeah, that show after the Sopranos, you started seeing all, I mean, everybody just started HBO up their game. All the cable companies started upping their game. I mean, even House of Cards, all the Netflix shows, the the whole era of prestige television, movie stars and directors flocking to that format. I think it goes back to The Sopranos as one of the key first dominoes, if not the very first domino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And, yeah. and and by the way, having watched you know most of the series again fairly recently. It's amazing. I would put it up there as one of the best uh, TV series of all time. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite mm-hmm. probably, and I think the best is Breaking Bad for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just start to finish uh, almost perfection. Uh, but yeah. there are many, many uh, other contenders up there. My my issue and my rant uh, is, and it's not this show's fault, weirdly enough, but the bingeability of The Sopranos uh, in this format where you're just consecutive one after the other, that kind of thing, or you get on a roll like you do with Breaking Bad, like you do with Watchmen, like you do with, you know, a billion other TV shows, White Lotus and all that shit. There is so much there. It's such a bridge. It's so fascinating. It's such a bridge of regular NYPD blue, perce- like, you know, uh, X-Files, like uh, we have an overarching story, but we have episodic episodes uh and it it makes binging the show 30 percent less satisfying mm. there are there's so many episodes where it ends with <clears throat> tony's giving a look off <laughs> knowing <laughs> that somebody's gonna get their comeuppance or carmella's you know looking askance and saying hmm maybe something's going on with that or it ends with Christopher with the fucking spike up his arm, like shooting up and everything. And then, and then, or like Junior, you know, wandering off into traffic. And it's like, oh shit, let me click on the next one, baby. This is going to be resolved. No! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
No, it'll go yeah. off on something completely different. Like uh, these relationships will go on unaffected. Yeah, they'll come back to it later on. Like, hey, remember that time that you, you know, Dickie and and Chrissy and and Mikey and and, and Pussy and the and Buddy and shit like that. Like they all did that. Well, I don't forget that. Yeah, but you did forget that for fucking five episodes mm-hmm. in between mm-hmm. here, where you completely write out, uh, you know, a series of characters. Yeah, and I'm still loving it. And I, I will, yeah, I, I do remember very much uh, the sixth season, uh, which I watched religiously at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, some of the, the first five, it had been forever since I had seen those. Uh, so I, there were some things that I didn't remember happening. And it's very satisfying watching a show after that long. Probably would be the same with Lost for me uh, these days. Um, but, uh, it, but it's so weird when you do something like that with a, a show as so great as The Sopranos, it doesn't happen in something like Breaking Bad. There is a lot of throughput from one episode to the next. There's yeah. a bridge from one episode to the next. And I think, you know, I don't think The, the Sopranos uh, intended for binging because it was right before binging, mm-hmm. essentially, right. right? Like 24, for example. 24 would go literally from one episode into the next because it was in real time. Uh, it's, mm. it's a bizarre experience. And if anybody else is, which according to the New York times, like a bunch of people are rewatching the Sopranos in advance of many saints of, of Newark. If anybody else has had this issue, let me know because it's a little bit like the fuck happened with Christopher. Like he was fucked up when he was in Italy trying to scale Mount Vesuvius. They came back. He's fine. For yeah. like, you know, the next six episodes and like, what was he off heroin that whole fucking time? What the mm. what the fuck? What the fuck? Mm. It's the amazing fuck? how much uh and and the Sopranos still comes from that network TV kind of yeah. philosophy. Yeah. Uh uh I I've I've probably shared this a couple of times on the podcast, but I remember being a big OC fan and watching <laughs> uh watching the OC and watching the you know, which is ba- you know, it's basically a teen soap opera and everything. And, and I remember the Benjamin McKenzie character was starting to date. It may, it was like one of those, it was one of his new girlfriends that wasn't Misha Barton on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so like, or, or he had an ex or something that showed up Yep, and, uh, and so, and so like in one of the episodes, it's like the ex shows up and there's like some chemistry and you're like, Oh my God, I hope that Misha Barton doesn't see them together because that's going to be a big deal. And so like, uh, at the very end of the episode, Misha Barton or whoever it is that is entangled with Benjamin McKenzie at the time, uh, uh, sees them together walking out of the house and they're like, so, Hey, what's up? And that's the end of the episode. And you're like, okay, next week, they're going to address this shit's on. Yeah. And then the next week it's fucking Adam Brody in his kitchen. It's it's cracking wise quirky shit (laughs) and everything. And there was no conversation about the, why is your ex in coming out of the house or anything like that? It's just, it's just, it's a thread. Everything's a thread. Like you got to remember it, but it's not, it's not super important until it's super in, you know, so yeah, it's a no, big network difference TV. between modern binging episodes mm-hmm. uh, and and shows. Stranger Things is like this. House of Cards, as you mentioned, had a very yep. 
linear thing. And I think a lot of that was David Fincher being involved and saying, you know, we're not going to have a breath or a pause in here. We're going to ratchet up the tension. I think they've decided that those are basically what, uh, four or five hour movies at this point, you know, you're just watching them in pieces. Queen's Um, Gambit did the same thing. mm -hmm. You know, Queen's Gambit, if, if, if Annie Taylor joy or her character was on the downslide, which she frequently was, Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of an episode, next episode, typically she was going to be fucked up <laughs> mm-hmm. and still yeah. winning chess games, of course, but like uh, chess matches, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was this, this very linear thing and it's, it's frankly a little bit weird to go back and, and watch something. In fact, I kind of want to do that with lost, uh, to see if, if they do that too, of course they're more insulated. Uh, I think they did. I think lost would frequently have some huge whammy at the end of an episode. And then they would not immediately address what's going on because they always wanted to push that mystery further and further and further back. (laughs) Wait a minute. What was the fucking light that came out of the hatch? (laughs) Mm. (laughs) They just cut to Hurley playing golf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it, it was it. How long was it before we found out that there was a dude down in the hatch who had to keep on hitting the switch? Uh, so the, the island that was season first two, or second season, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it it took a while. Is it is that episode started off with that uh, was that Mama Cass song or whatever? It was like make your own kind of music, you know, yeah. and and uh, he would all it would always be timed to you know every whatever hour and twenty three mm-hmm. minutes or something. I think yeah. it was yeah uh where he had to hit that button and and then you know they you know continued making seasons uh, all the way up until your disappointment your inevitable disappointment (laughs) (laughs) anyway it's not you if you feel the urge to rewatch the sopranos especially if you're doing it in lieu of watching the wire that you've put off for a long time uh you should you should do that but just know it's it's not as standard of a binge watching as you're used to over the last 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. So my rant, I'm, I'm, I'm chucking all the things I'm angry about out the window for now. Chuck them. Because I discovered a new subreddit on Reddit last night and I spent about an hour on it. That's not an exaggeration. Uh, if I were exaggerating, I would say I spent all night on it or something. I literally spent 60 plus minutes on this one single subreddit. One of the reasons I love Reddit Besides the fact that it's free, besides the fact that you can get the content you might find on Twitter without fighting, usually. Um, usually, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a subreddit for everything. There really is. And some of them are quite entertaining. So I'm going to set this up with two subreddits I already have known and loved. One is called No, 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 Yes. And by the way, this is not a Destiny's Child song. so this is a video where these are almost all gifs or videos where it looks like somebody's about to have a catastrophe it might be a drunk guy wobbling on the edge of a pier or (laughs) a skateboarder headed right for a truck he doesn't see and the viewer is thinking no 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 but at the last second something amazing happens and you're like yes (laughs) um so Sister subreddit, 
yes, 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 no, oh, no. is someone <laughs> who is very, very close to some amazing act, right? Like a guy who's trying to run across a pond by only stepping on a couple of rocks uh, or a guy who's juggling something amazing. And then at the very end, catastrophe. And you're like, no, <laughs> those are both amazing subreddits. And I think you should check them out. My newest discovery, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> now, this is a subreddit where, that has literally taken those two previous subreddits and is now just not telling you how it's going to end. And so every GIF, if you don't know if it's going to end in catastrophe or great success. And the kicker is 99% of the submissions on this subreddit are titled Maybe, maybe, maybe. So you have no fucking clue. There's no context given other than the still before you click play of what you're about to watch. And every now and then you see something maybe you wish you hadn't seen. Uh, every now and then you see something that makes you laugh your ass off. But what I love about it is the game, the guessing game. And maybe this is only because I love those other two subreddits, but the guessing game of which way is it going to go? Which way is it going to go? Is he going to break his leg in half or is he going to complete that stupid gymnastics move? Um, and uh, I had so much fun. I'm going back. I'm going to go back all the time. And uh, I thought you guys might enjoy that experience. So I'm sharing it with you. That's my rant for the day. Oh, next, uh, I'm going to spend definitely 60 minutes on that. No, 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 no. Yes. When it's really yes, 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 no. Uh, anybody ready for some recommends and warns? Totes amaze balls. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Now this has been a minute since we've done this, so mm -hmm. I'm excited to hear y'all's. Y'all's. Mm -hmm. yeah. I will. Uh, since the uh, the uh, conversation is fresh about the Sopranos. Uh, I don't think I'm, I'm, uh, alone in this, but I'm warning many saints of Newark. Um, it is not what you're hoping for. If you have watched six seasons of the Sopranos, mm -hmm. um, uh, this is it, what I've heard. Yeah. It, it focuses on Dickie Moltisanti and his, uh, it played very well by Alessandro Nivola. Um, it focuses on him and his and his workings sort of into the I don't know. It, it's hard to even call him like a, a mobster or whatever in this or whatever. But um, uh, but uh, if you're looking for sort of the rise of Tony Soprano in this, you're not going to get it. That's what I've, I, I keep hearing. The marketing is all about uh michael gandolfini you know mm -hmm. and and the whole trailer was about like him in this this chaotic world i'm and always how that getting molded cute into... <clears throat> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah <laughs> so it's it's not yeah. it's not about i'll tell you this. what it it takes about 30 or 40 minutes of this two-hour movie for michael uh michael uh, uh michael gandolfini Michael Gandolfini, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, was, I was about to say, I don't know who I was about to Imperioli? say. Imperioli? Michael Imperioli. Yes, who that's who I keep saying. Um, Michael Gandolfini, it takes 30 or 40 minutes before he even shows up in this movie. Wow. Because first off, he's being played by a kid who's eerily similar to uh, Robert Eiler, um, who played the um, who played 
Tony's son. Um, oh, uh, AJ. AJ. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, that kid looks. Wild. That kid's a fucking dead <laughs> ringer. And Vera Farmiga, by the way, who's playing, you know, his mom, uh-huh. is is like is almost doing an Edie Falco thing, but it's not the same character. It's you know, it, oh, it, that's wild. It's she. It's almost like Tony married his mom. I, I don't know if that's what they're going for. Yeah, on yeah, this. Yeah. But Vera Farmiga sounds sounds and acts so much like Edie Falco does. Huh. You know? uh in that thing but it's more about Moltisanti and like his relationship with his dad played by ray liotta of course um, <laughs> of course <laughs> um and uh ray liotta plays two roles in this he plays he plays dickie's dad and he also plays the brother of dickie's dad who's in prison and 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 it's basically about you know dickie has a has a temper uh you know that that leads to certain situations in his life where he you know he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't have a premeditated sense of doing some of these things but you know somebody pisses him off enough then he gets angry enough to kill somebody over a certain thing and that changes his whole life and then um uh leslie odom is in this movie i didn't Uh, even realize that yeah um yeah he plays uh he plays a guy named harold mcbrayer in this and there dicky uh is is using him and his crew and they call them the black saints in this in this uh uh it's like it's set in the 60s or whatever and then and uh there's there is a, a sort of an emerging turf war about to happen but it's not it, it, it nothing ever everything that's building in this never comes to a point of like oh this is so satisfying or anything like that it's just kind of like here's the story of dickie multisanti and here's how he fucked up his life and this is how uh certain elements of what you end up seeing in the sopranos the 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 sort of the roadmap to what that what that goes but it's nothing there's we don't see anything about tony's first real interest in in getting into this business or uh you know it's there's a lot of like wink, wink, nod, nod, like, Oh, there's Carmela in a scene or, you know, or, uh, Oh, remember that story they told in season three, episode four. Well, here's that play acted for us essentially. I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and, and, and so like people who are really shrewd on the Sopranos will be like, we'll feel well, we'll feel good that, Oh yeah, that was something they talked about. Oh no, we got to see it. Oh, Oh, sweet. And it means nothing. It nothing of it just doesn't mean anything. Um, um, it has it has moments where it's trying to be the Godfather. It feels like like at mm. the beginning of it and everything. It's trying. It's got uh, it's got a wedding. You know, it's got um, it's uh, you know all this stuff is happening, forming at the wedding. But it just uh, it never comes through, man. Mm. I, I I don't even know if this movie works well. Like if you were to like if you were to take the Sopranos out of it or whatever. And you were just to watch this movie, not knowing it was anything to do with the Sopranos. I don't think it works well just on its own at all. Like Mm. this is not a movie you would go watch just as a standalone. So I don't, I don't know what they were, uh, what, what their intent was with this movie. I really don't. I mean, if it's, it's not really to placate Sopranos fans because they 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 basically said fuck you to the Sopranos fans in this movie. Mm. Um, 
uh, and they weren't trying to, they weren't trying to make something else that like, Hey, you know, like it wasn't like Ryan Johnson doing last Jedi or something, whereas, you know, uh, here's something completely different that you didn't think about. It's not really even that it's just a, it's a, it's maybe too straightforward of a day in the life in the sixties. And he just so happens to have characters played by different people that, you know, from another TV show. In it. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, everybody's doing impressions and it's really distracting. Yeah. Uh, so Billy Magnuson is, uh, is he Polly? Yeah. And he's, he's got that, he's got that, you know, everybody's doing that, that thing, you know, that thing that they do. And there's somebody playing, uh, uh, so, what's yeah. his name? Huh? Yeah, Sylvia. someone's playing Silvio, yeah. and he's got that that straight that straight up posture and that that look down nobody thing that can he does. look like Stevie Van Zandt. There's nobody so, in the history of ever that looks like but, Stevie. Van Zandt. And then Corey Stahl's playing Uncle Junior in this, and it's uh, it's so weird. Okay, so, so at least is Vera Farmiga good as the mom? Ah, oh, damn. I thought that was good casting. She's so distracting, especially with the big, huge blue contacts they put in her eyes. Damn. And, and and she's Damn. doing that Edie Falco thing. I swear to God, they're trying to say that Tony married his mom eventually mm-hmm. with Edie Falco. But, like, uh, she's fine. I mean, it, it, she just doesn't have – I mean, it's not a Sopranos movie, really. So, mm-hmm. like – her effect on Tony and everything doesn't matter to this movie whatsoever. I mean, hmm. she's what you've seen in the trailer is, yeah, she's, she's an overdramatic person. You know, it's the, everything that happens is like, Oh my God, what are we going to do now? You know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, that's perfectly fine. And, and she's fine, but like it's distract. It's a distracting it's a distracting performance that doesn't have anything to do with anything, really. I mean, it just- I have enjoyed the trivia tidbits that have come out as everyone does interviews for this thing. Mm-hmm. Like Ray Liotta, they approached him to be on the show, and he declined. And it's the rule that Joey Pantalonio eventually oh, uh, really? took. Um, and then uh, I read an interview with uh, David Chase, who said by the time they were done filming the show. He absolutely fucking hated James Gandolfini's guts. Huh. Um, and like the actor or the character, the actor, um, no kidding. Like they were having their final cast meal after they were apt. Um, and Chase's wife says, Hey, um, Jim, come sit next to us. And Gandolfini just walked by and pretended like he didn't. Hear <laughs> like they were bitter. They ended up making a movie together after this. So it must've healed. The other tidbit I liked, uh, Van Zant. <laughs> told a story that he was chase originally cast him as tony mm-hmm. and then when they went to hbo hbo was like apps a fucking lutely not <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> well he's he, look sylvia <laughs> steven van zandt is a great guitarist great vocalist uh he has one speed <laughs> in that oh, yeah. show <laughs> and it is funny you, th- you talk about uh, ancillary stuff i did uh, read an interview with him that that his relationship with tony in the show was modeled on his relationship in real life with bruce springsteen because hmm. bruce is you know the, the boss and, right. and not he's not making a parallel there but like bruce springsteen now is so legendary that nobody can talk to him and nobody can tell him no or whatever but but stevie van zandt can always he could always like go up to him and be like, Bruce, you're acting like a fucking prick. 
you know, and, mm-hmm. and they, they're kind of like brothers. And he said he brought that kind of thing to, uh, to the role of Sylvia and it works perfectly. I mean, thank, thank God they didn't give him a whole lot. <laughs> no, he was great for what they gave him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, got well, he that, was always that, that guy. Yeah. He always had that quip. He would always have a quip of some sort that would just send the scene on to whatever, it was always just funny to to him coming in, chiming in with something real quick, and then the scene would be over. The only payoff, really, I mean, with with him and man, god damn, there are a couple of moments in this show that are some of the best I've ever seen. One is with uh, the uh, the the psychiatrist that Carmela sees, this old mm. crusty dude <clears throat> that uh, that tells her you got to get a divorce. And that's the first time in the entire show, probably the last time, really, where somebody says, this is fucking for real. And mm-hmm. that's an amazing bit of show. But obviously, the uh, the moment where uh, Silvio's driving Adriana out. Uh, Jesus. To, uh, to, she to knows that whole drive. Like, she knows. She starts crying. I rewatched that, not only just on the rewatch, I'd rewound it and watched that whole sequence again. Because, yeah, you know, it's it's funny every time they get ready to whack somebody, they don't just show up like fucking Joe Pesci and Goodfellas and all that stuff. Well, actually, even in Goodfellas, they bring uh, they bring him in and, and fet him and make him mm-hmm. feel nice and comfortable with uh, with with that scene. Silvio's driving around and he's talking about Chris and he's like, oh, he's a, he's a strong he's a strong boy and she's just crying. But she knows, like- baby. She's and and she sees him pull off into the you know, on the off ramp and she's like, and it's gut wrenching. And, uh, God, who's the, uh, the, the lady that plays her, um, is absolutely spectacular. That whole season, by the way, she gets overlooked as one of the best parts of this, this whole Mm -hmm. series, Christopher, Christopher, but that whole thing where she tells him about the FBI and God damn, Mm -hmm. I, I, we could go on all day about uh, the the Sopranos, but there are some legitimately beautiful. Last one, last one. Oh, geez. Before there was Marriage Story, there before there was get real ass conversations. There was that fight at the end of one of the seasons between Carmela and Tony. Uh, oh yeah, where he he's trying to move out to the garage or something like that, and she tells him about her attraction to Furio. <laughs> and that shit goes on for like 20 minutes and it gets fucking real and it's mm. so well done. Mm-hmm. Uh the, you know, as I said in the last segment, the the show isn't perfect, the writing isn't perfect, but there are some legitimately some of the best scenes ever 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 I've ever seen uh in that show. And uh I'm still going to watch uh, Many Saints of Newark. Yeah, and I you probably should. will just revel in those little like, hey, that's what he said in season three, episode mm-hmm. four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I have tempered expectations. Uh, most trusted from you, but I've I've seen some wishy washy things. Uh, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. seriously, I I don't know what the point is uh, uh, other than to pull the rug out from people who are expecting something else. Like I would put, I would definitely. I definitely believe David Chase is that kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, He's like, kind oh, of you're a harassable bastard. 
Yeah, you're expecting the rise of Tony Soprano? Fuck you. We're going to do Dickie Moltisanti and this story right here. And we're going to have Ray Liotta and bad old person makeup in one scene. And then, uh, you know, we're going to do the story that this other story that we believe in. And it's going to have all sorts of meanings that you're not going to get. And, uh, you know, and this is, uh, it won't have anything to do with the Soprano. So fuck you. <laughs> Jeremy, were you a big Sopranos fan? Me? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, over the last, not just, uh, when was it? Sometime in the last week, week and a half, HBO has been dedicating, it's over now, but has been dedicating one of their 18,000 channels to just playing every day a season. Oh, seriously? So like I caught the last four episodes. When I say caught, I mean, it's on my TV while I'm doing shit. Uh, The last four episodes of the first season, but didn't see it the next day because i checked too early and assumed they were done the next time i picked back up with it was two or three days later and they were already on the first half of season six Mm. so i watched a few episodes of that and then the next night i watched the last four or five episodes of the whole show i'm still one of those people i'm ready to talk about something else but i'm one of those people that loves the way that show ended even though i think that is david chase being an irascible bastard um i I think it's perfect Mm -hmm. talk about something else baby Okay, so let's talk about this movie Coda on Apple Plus TV Gizmo <laughs> I shits. I don't know what it's called. Right, there's more. There's you, more. You to got it. it. You, it's absolutely right. You got it. Um, <clears throat> Coda, uh, as the movie explains, stands for Child of Deaf Adults. Uh-huh, um, I've heard about this. And there are enough of them around the country. There's over 40 million people with hearing loss in America. Um, so there are thousands, tens of thousands of codas in the u.s but they are not necessarily <clears throat> side by side it's a very unique experience so the main character is ruby played by a girl that i was not familiar with prior to this movie um emily jones and she is the only hearing member in an all-deaf family um and marley matlin plays her mom and marley matlin insisted Ooh. on deaf actors playing both the husband and the son uh instead of hearing actors uh, the lead actress is not does not have hearing loss, but learned uh, sign language for the movie. Of course, if you listen to any of these shows, you already know what intrigued me about this because I am losing my hearing. Um, and basically, the family are fishermen, uh, and the local restrictions on how much they're allowed to fish are choking all the local fishermen out of business slowly. And at one point. Uh, the deaf family, um, Rossi is their last name. The Rossi's decide to, to do their own co-op. We're going to sell our own fish directly to customers instead of going through these assholes on the dock. Who's with us? Uh, and as they go around trying to sign up other fishermen, they have to rely on Ruby, who's the only person who can translate uh, for them and for the people who are speaking. Um, but Ruby is also a fantastic singer. Um and really gifted. She's taking a music class in school, high school. She's a senior. And she gets paired up with a, a dreamy boy to do a duet with at the talent show at the end of the year. She applies to Berkeley School of Music because her choir teacher tells her she's that good. <laughs> but her parents are... Talk, talk about irascible bastards. Um, <laughs> they're kind of mean. They're absolutely uncouth, and they love to fuck. Um, <clears throat> and so, like when Marley Matlin finds out her daughter has applied to music school, she says, "So, if I were blind, would you be a painter?" 
Like she, that's a very bitter, mean thing to say. That is um, fucked up, yo. It is, and it, and <clears throat> what I like is that tug that this girl has the whole movie between loyalty to her family, who she does love, but who take her for granted and are kind of mean to her about that kind of stuff and wanting to grow, wanting to get out of this fishing town and become a singer and go to music college. Um, and essentially they don't want her to leave because if they don't have a hearing member of their family, there's actually this incident where they go out on the boat without her and the coast guard squawks a radio at them and they can't hear it. Um, so they don't respond and then they come aboard and an inspector basically says, you have to have somebody on board who can hear the radio and then can hear other boats, uh, horns. Um, and so that ex- give them a citation. So they're, they don't want her to go away to college cause they don't know how they're going to do fishing without her. <clears throat> this movie made me ball. Um, mm-hmm. the way all, about time made me ball. And I'm almost positive. It's because of my own personal experience, losing my hearing, but the family goes to the talent show at the end, and it when she starts singing the duet, it goes quiet, and you get – I'm getting chills. You get her deaf family's experience of being able to see it and see everyone around clapping along and enjoying it, but they can't hear it. They can't appreciate their daughter's talent. Later, they get home, and the dad says, sing it again. And the daughter, he puts his hand on the daughter's vocal cords mm. and she sings it and he gets teared up and he asks her what the song is about. And she tells him, um, and then she has to audition for music school. I'm, I'm not spoiling the movie. I really think you should watch it. I'm not spoiling too much plot, but her family comes in, sneaks in. They're not supposed to be there, sneaks into the balcony to watch her audition for music school. And when she sees them, she starts signing in addition to singing so that they can understand the words as well as the people she's auditioning for can understand the music. I loved this movie. Yo, Um, I'm about to fucking ball. It's uh, (laughs) a 96 on Rotten Tomatoes. It looks like most of the, that's the critic score. Um, And so I I don't think I'm alone. Uh, I know there has been a little bit of criticism um, about, the fact that in the real world there would probably be more resources for a deaf family in the situation than just having to rely on their daughter. For instance, there's a scene where they go to the doctor um, and the daughter has to go with them so that she can translate what the doctor says. And I guess the, from what criticism I've read, that's not legal. Like a doctor would have to have somebody would have to provide a translator, although that was news to me. Um, maybe there's just a resource close enough that somebody would be able to come and translate for them, whether or not it's the doctor's responsibility. I am not deaf enough to be an expert on it, and I haven't been deaf enough long enough. Um, So I'm not here to tell you what the movie gets right and wrong about all the ins and outs of modern deaf living. Uh, But what I think the movie gets right is the ins and outs of modern deaf emotions and Mm -hmm. relationships. And uh, it's a two thumbs up, super strong, as much as I probably recommended anything. I loved it. Can we go back to uh, them really loving to fuck? Oh, yeah. There's a scene where she brings the handsome boy home. This is not the only scene where they fuck. Um, They like to talk about how much they like to fuck. Dad likes to make the kids uncomfortable talking about how much Mm. he gives it to mom. Uh, But there's a scene where she brings... I was giving it to her last night. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. She bring the boy home. She brings the boy home to practice, and they're practicing the, their duet in her room. And then the, the walls start thumping <laughs> because the deaf parents didn't know anybody was home. And they, she goes in there and finds them like absolutely going at it. And then it cuts humorously straight to everybody on the couches down in the living room. Awkward. Uh, yeah this is uh also uh in addition to the rotten tomato score an 8.1 on the imdb so there's Mm, that's uh, good there seems to be some consensus here that this is a good movie uh this sort of reminds me too that uh and and even though i'm not recommending or warning today i i I haven't finished the series yet and i feel like i need to finish it before i recommend it I, i guess i i guess there's been enough episodes that i can recommend it but um, uh, only murders in the building, which has been playing in playing on Hulu, hmm. uh, just had an episode where it was from the perspective of a deaf person, and hmm. every single there's there's not one moment where there's an actual audible noise of uh, dialogue, and it, oh it's God. all subtitles, it's all sign language, even when some even when like Martin Short and Selena Gomez are in a closet looking for something they don't want to be heard. So they're sitting there like, you know, just kind of doing that type of thing. So even when it's not from the perspective of the deaf person, they've made, they've made it where there's no audible dialogue through it. The only thing that you hear is like some whooshing sounds every once in a while. Like I guess the sound that I, I guess that's trying to replicate what some deaf people have, I guess a whooshing kind of a, you can hear maybe feel the blood or hear the blood going through your head or something. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if that's what it is, but I think it's there so that you don't think there's something wrong with your uh, volume on your t- TV. I right. think is, is probably the main reason. That sounds it. amazing. But it's a it was a it's one of those it's one of those. I this is why I love watching shows like these today is because they always do. The, it always seems like one episode. We've been talking about bottle episodes and everything. Uh, if th- this is as close to a bottle episode as you can get in this show, which is a serial uh you know it's you know we're it, it's a continuous story but um there's always it always seems like these shows find one episode where they want to experiment with some things and they and they and and it comes out of nowhere too like you're watching this is like okay sis Steve martin martin short selena gomez everybody's being funny they're investigating a murder blah 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 and then suddenly bam they hit you with this episode that you just you didn't think they had in them Hmm. uh in in the in the whole uh season and it just comes out of nowhere and it's just terrific to watch so my wife and i uh the trailer sold us both immediately but uh we decided to wait so we could binge it and mm-hmm. i know that's only a couple more weeks away so, I'm so it's doing it. it's doing an actual like like yeah. weekly release or, or whatever it is which is yeah. something that you know i mean it's you've been you've seen disney plus do this you've seen hulu do this you've seen um uh apple uh plus do this with uh with with shows there is something to be said for having that week to to wait i don't Mm -hmm. mind it like that we had when loki and wandavision and captain winter or falcon and winter soldier uh came out uh, (laughs) they we had we had family marvel nights uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the times they were on Fridays. Uh, and so we would just kind of, cause we were all invested in the shows and yeah, we could have done that, you know, every Friday and just, you know, serialized it then. But mm-hmm. yeah, there is a little bit of something 
Well, like, and hey, I, let's get together and watch something. I know one. I know one reason they probably do this is so that you will visit every week instead of just staying there sure. for one day. Yeah. But the other thing that it does is it prevents people from getting on Twitter and being like, "I watched all ten episodes, and here's how it ends." And you yeah. ha- and it's, it's day one, and you haven't even had a chance to even hear about this show yet. Mm-hmm. And someone's already telling you, you know, about the aliens and everything at the end of Queen's Gambit. So, <laughs> those goddamn aliens mm-hmm. they always those, come the in and fuck up the chess matches yeah fucking chess aliens god damn mm-hmm. it. fucking yep. chess aliens you could call them chess bursters yeah Ooh, i like that Ooh, i like where you're headed with that how clever yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah burst out of the queen yeah uh i have uh, another hbo centric series which is so weird i'm not gonna get into all of the background for this but it's called the way down <clears throat> it's uh it's about a cult um and it's got a weird release strategy i want to talk about that first um mm-hmm. it's a mini series five episode documentary uh about a cult that just happens to be in tennessee um, probably less than two or three miles away from where Chris was this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the epicenter of it was before I get into the details of it, they released three episodes of this five episode documentary, uh, a couple weeks ago in September. And then they're not going to release the next two episodes until next year is the plan. Interesting. Is there, do you think there might be more information that there, cause that, wasn't there that's the only reason wasn't there, um, there was a, there was a big deal about that. Um, what was that HBO documentary about the guy who, uh, was going to jail for murder and he was a rich guy. And what was that called? Oh, was that the, uh, the one where they, they ended up getting him? <clears throat> I the, think so. Robert Durst. Um, uh, I think it is Robert Durst, actually. Yeah. Uh, what was that? It was called uh, The Jinx, The Life and Deaths of Robert Durst. Because um, that ended up, I think they had got information during the documentary that led to stuff. And I have, they I've never seen, essentially. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen the show and I've never, I didn't, I didn't follow it enough to know what exactly happened. It kind of reminds me also of what happened with Alpha Dog when they made yeah. that movie. Um, cause people who were giving them information about what happened in alpha dog, like the real people were telling them things that needed to go to court. Uh, the attorney's you know. like, the fuck dude. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I, the reason, and yes, I do kind of under, understand the reason. I don't know why you would release what you release now. Right. If you are yeah. still investigating this, here's the, the story in a nutshell. Help. I'm in a nutshell. Uh, <laughs> Gwen Shamblin, uh, Gwen Shamblin, Lara, uh, as she became after she got remarried, was the leader of this Christian based weight loss service called the Way Down Workshop. It's originally affiliated with the Church of Christ, uh, of which I was partially mostly raised. Um, and uh, then it branched off into its own uh, division of Christianity, which essentially became had all the hallmarks of a cult <laughs> and the, the series up until now, the first three episodes explores that cult and, and uh, how that uh, affected the members. They interview a lot of ex members 
Uh, they interview a lot of workers for them. Uh, they interview cult interventalist interventionalists um, and, and things like that. Um, what happened earlier this year, I think it was in March or April, um, was that Gwen Shamblin, the leader of this, this way down workshop um, and this cult, and her current husband, Joe Lara, uh, who was a TV actor that played a TV version of Tarzan back in the day, um, <laughs> and is, it was now a, a country music singer wannabe, uh, they were flying in a plane, a, a private uh, plane, not a jet or anything like that, just a, a single double engine. And uh, the plane went down over Percy Priest Lake, which is just a little south or actually east of, of where we live. Um, and uh, everybody died on, uh, on the plane. And as this came up, uh, I started hearing the name Shamblin. And I heard, started hearing the Way Down Workshop and all that. And it sounded familiar to me. And um, I, I realized that not only was Gwen Shamblin, uh, her, her uh, son and daughter, that went to my school, uh, they were also friends uh, tangentially, uh, with some friends of mine that were a couple of years younger than me. Hmm. Um, the way down workshop was prevalent, uh, in our church and in our school. Um, I guess before it separated into this cult like thing. Um, and so I kind of have a personal vested interest in this behind the scenes of this documentary. There's a lot more that I've learned, uh, about, uh, the, the thing, but I'm, I'm waiting for the documentary, uh, to finish up uh, before before I kind of make some calls on that. But the main thing is the documentary itself. I'm a kind of a sucker for cult stories. I know mm -hmm. that sounds awful, but uh, I'm fascinated by how somebody like, in a fictional sense, Chris Hemsworth character, his character in Bad Times at the El Royale, mm -hmm. gets the power and influence that they have over the people, the real story about uh, David Koresh, uh, mm -hmm. Jim uh, Jones, Jones. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Heaven's Gate folks. <laughs> this fascinates me. It's morbid, I know, uh, especially because a lot of these people end up dead. Um, but uh, it is very fascinating to me. So the fact that, A, I know these people, and B, it became a full-fledged cult, and C, it happened right under our nose. Like I live five miles away from Brentwood. Kristen lives nearby. Mm -hmm. um, we all grew up around that area like this. And, and this happened during, you know, the times that we were younger and, and kind of involved with this is, is very fascinating to me. So th the problem that I have though, is the way the documentary is done. You know how, uh, <laughs> Jeremy, when you were talking about the Michael Jackson documentary and he said it was like eight hours of drone footage over a mm. neighborhood, yep. there's a lot of that in this. Yeah. Uh, there's a, Why there's a has that become so vogue, man? That, that, and did you guys ever watch The Last Dance, the Chicago Bulls thing? Yes. No. Um, that documentary was, was excellent, but it was also frustrating because it would be like 1998 and then it would slide back on the timeline to 1984 and then it would slide forward to like 2021. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, it always seemed like it was, it was sticking and moving rather than, okay, you know, th there's no reason for you to, to have to jump around on this timeline so much. This is what this documentary does. Now 
that may work for a lot of people. It certainly did work with The Last Dance for a lot of people. I overall enjoyed that. I just didn't like the sudden jarring nature of like, okay, now we're in game seven in the in the 1991 fucking uh, NBA championship. You know what I mean? I, I, I understand. You know, I mean, I, I know that, you know, B-roll wise, this helps fill in some of your – you know, your time, it's, it, it creates a setting, which is something that we always, you know, uh, what's the, what's the famous book about the Kansas murders, um, that, uh, Oh, in cold blood, in cold blood, which yeah. is the, with, I think is the first one, first, uh, of these sort of that is credited as the one that sets has puts in the setting where it's like, here's what people in Kansas were like in this town. Yeah, the true crime and here's, thing that has to have the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The context. Yeah, so like, like, so like the drone footage is supposed to be this thing. Well, this is where, this is an ordinary suburb. Uh, just look at how my camera catches that from my drone. It my looks name like is Lester Burnham. This yeah, is my yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is the day that I die. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I, 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 it's like, you would think by now filmmakers would be like, Oh my God, I saw this in every other documentary in the last three years. So maybe I should do something different. Right. I imagine the storyboards, they just draw one storyboard of an overhead sh- drone shot of this subdivision. Or just a picture of a drone. <laughs> there's, hey, there's the drone that filmed 90% of our, our film. But yeah. it's, 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 it's a very compelling story. Uh, there are people that uh, went through some really tough shit uh, and, and no, no joke about that uh, with this experience. Uh, and, and they did get very interesting people to interview. Uh, but it, I've been watching a lot of documentaries lately and you can really tell a good documentary by versus like a mediocre mm. documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. And, and, and it's not even personal style. We've talked about, you know, Jeremy's preference of like, you know, letting the footage be the footage, letting the story be the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I understand both ways. I don't mind an interventionalist type of uh, story sometimes, as long as it's done well. Um, and this one, not quite there. Yeah, there. Have you seen the, there's a Heaven's Gate, one of these on one of these uh, channels too. I haven't. I've, I've seen one of them. Uh, it was probably not the one you're thinking about because I, I think it was on a and E or something. Like oh that. yeah. This was like on Hulu or, or, or uh, Amazon prime or something like that. I watched an episode of it, but I, and I, I moved on to other things, not cause it was bad or anything, but I just, I just dropped it. Uh, I want to see it at some point. And then what was the one that had the, uh, the women from Smallville and all that? Oh, the Nexium thing. The Nexium. I yeah, did watch that, all the Nexium cult thing. Those, those were. I think I saw. There's two different ones. I think yeah, for that one. I saw the one both on fascinating. Flix. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. The, I'm the same way about this because it's always fascinating to. I feel like these cult leaders always first. They start by saying, "I have a. I have something that works. Um, he, you need to try this thing that works, and then." Then, then they just start, you know, if you, if something's not working, then they start using this sort of like, 
very subtle abuse where it's like, you know, like, oh, you're you're a fat fuck because you're not doing this diet the correct way. You're not praying hard enough. You're not, you're not praying hard enough, mm-hmm. all that. And then suddenly people start becoming this like, Oh, I need to do this more. I need to, I need to show up more. And then the real abuses start when they say, well, you may be praying enough and you may be doing all the things you need to do on the diet enough, but here's some other things that work. And then that's when, it, that's when you start getting into, you know, the sex cult and all that type of thing mm-hmm. is because you know they realize they have this power over you at that point but um i'm sure not all of them are like that i know that nexium one was was definitely like that so yeah it's wild man i mean just the the psychology of how things unravel and also coalesce it's just mm-hmm. the weirdest thing um and this one because of the personal ties like really uh, surprised me and and horrified me. Uh, and and again, I think they're gathering information on on the 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 cause of the death and the cause of the the plane crash. I think that's pretty well established at this point. But maybe they're waiting for other legal issues to play out before the yeah. next two episodes. Okay. Well, we're going to do some more recommends and warns. My uh, I have a wreck a warn of the card counter. Uh, I saw mm. this uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, and we just haven't had recommends and warns for a long time. Uh, so, uh, I actually had to think back like a whole bunch of stuff. I was trying to think, what do I want to talk about on here? I've seen a lot of TV shows and, uh, stuff like that. And I've, I've rewatched some movies, uh, that, that, you know, but, uh, the card counter I actually saw in theaters, uh, Paul, uh, Schrader, uh, I, it was funny I, on Slack, we were going back and forth with like, does he have like a good filmography? We're not sure. I mean, obviously he wrote taxi driver and he wrote raging bull and, but is directing like, there's not many on there that you would say that's a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he got a reemergence with first performed when that came out. And, um, uh, the card counter, I think, there's a little bit of a bias uh for me on this because when i go into gambling movies i want to see the main character gamble i want (laughs) to see them play games of chance and i want them to play poker and i want the poker to not be like the shit that's in casino royale (laughs) i want it to be like that so uh but if you know your paul schrader you know that what and 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 this is sort of what i was i formulated during this i could be completely off but it seems like paul schrader's stories uh are often about uh it, you are never the person that people peg you as you're not your job basically in this movie oscar isaac is playing a gambler who you know he he counts cards yes uh but he also plays poker and all this you kind of know right off the bat that he's not a serious, like he's not like this isn't going to be a movie where at the end he's going to lose it all. And he's going to have to like find a way to gain back, you know, $10,000 or a hundred thousand dollars or whatever he needs uh, to Teddy win the KGB. movie. Yeah. From Teddy KGB. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, cause at the very beginning he says something to the effect of I play, uh, blackjack just to the point where the casino isn't going to get pissed off at me uh, for mm. winning too much. So he's very conservative in all this. And 
there's this sort of this, there's, there is some poker that court, there's a sort of a, uh, a thread of poker that goes through here. It's, it's, it's some of the best stuff in the movie because there is this one villain quote unquote, he's not really a villain. He's just a, he's just, it's, he has this way about him where he's like, he, every time he wins a hand, his whole like entourage like jumps up and is like USA USA <laughs> <laughs> and he and he's got this style of you know he's wearing american flags and you know stuff like that and he's 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 of course he's winning every single poker tournament like he never loses like this I, I never understood this about hollywood movies it's like this guy is so good he wins everything there's no such there's no it's such like, thing as luck yeah it's like shooter mcgavin winning every fucking uh, <laughs> yeah, golf exactly. tournament in happy gilmore when even the best fucking players in the world right. don't win every fucking tournament yeah yeah uh and i guess they have to f- make it where i don't know i guess that that's the way that's sort of the the method by which you anyway it's neither here nor there really because we they set this up to where the poker is going to be really important oscar isaac uh runs into tiffany haddish tiffany haddish i love tiffany haddish but she is not good in this movie Mm. um uh it's 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 just one of those things where it it feels like she's uncomfortable playing this character a little bit maybe in in further viewings down the you know in the future or whatever i might be like oh you know what i didn't really notice what she was doing there but on the first impression i was like "Mm, eh, no but he runs into Tiffany Hannish and Tiffany Hannish wants to, wants to set him up with the, you know, winning, like going into these poker tournaments and we see him, we see him like make it far in a couple, but there's this guy that keeps winning, you know, he's the best or whatever. Uh, meanwhile, there's this, uh, there's this character played by Ty Sheridan. He runs into, uh, Ty Sheridan knows a secret, the uh, nose of some secret that Oscar Isaac has. Um, and it's that he used to be at it's either, I think it's Abu Ghraib is where he was. And there were a lot, you know, obviously there was, uh, some really fucking evil shit that went down at Abu Ghraib and he was part of it. And Ty Sheridan's dad was part of it. And like, uh, something happened to his dad and Willem Dafoe, um, uh, was, uh, was the, was like the leader of this, uh, of what was going on at Abu Ghraib. Um, and so he has this hard on for killing Willem Dafoe in this movie. Um, and Oscar Isaac is basically like, no, you don't want to do that. Basically. And he's, he takes this kid under his wing and teaches him, you know, you know, this is what you want to do. And, it, and, it, and they're to a point where he is, uh, uh, telling this kid, go to college, uh, make a name for yourself, you know, go and do this job. It's almost like fight club, right? Where Brad Pitt and Edward Norton drag the dude out of the convenience store <laughs> and tell him to run off. And he's like, tomorrow will be the best day of his life. He will <laughs> not be working at a convenience store anymore. He'll go to college, blah, 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 blah. He's kind of, Oscar Isaac's kind of doing that except in, in, you know, in, in a less weird way that the, that, that Brad Pitt do in, uh, in fight club. Uh, so there's this, this thread going on. So, uh, 
Oscar Isaac, we think, okay, the, the whole thing is leading up to this big poker tournament and everything. Of course, something happens where Oscar Isaac has the, the poker tournament's not important anymore. So that's where the movie leads to you. I reckon warn it mainly just because it's very good. It's very captivating. Uh, it's just that it doesn't go into that. And sometimes not going in a direction that you expect is, is great. Uh, and in this case, it's, it's, uh, in this case, it's fine. Uh, it's, it's, it, it, it totally works. It's just that I think for me, I wish a movie would be about a movie about gambling would actually show any, would show you that would be the main crux of the movie a lot of times. Um, and, and that poker tournament would be important in some, in some way. And, and I know that Paul Schrader is not interested in that. So I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to, I don't want to grade a movie on what it's not because he, this is obviously where he wanted to go on this. Uh, and, and, and the direction is fine. It's just that I felt a little bit of a twinge of like, Oh, I wanted to see him play that poker tournament. Oh, you know, and, and it, and it, and it, you know, it doesn't work out that way. Um, but, uh, the mo- I, th- I thought the movie was very compelling, very good. I'm going to watch it again at some point, probably. It's just that there are, there are some things about it, Tiffany Haddish and just the sort of the overall direction of where this movie goes. Uh, it's, it's not a complete like sell job. I want, I don't want to like totally recommend it to people, but I'm on the, I'm on the recommend side of the record warn. So hmm. what do you stand hmm. on, uh, Ty Sheridan? What do we think of this kid so far? He's, he's ready player one kid, right? Mm-hmm. I keep getting him confused for Taylor Sheridan. Um, <laughs> I watched a bit of a, a Nicholas Cage movie called Joe that had Ty Sheridan. Oh, yeah, that's a good movie. It was good. I didn't get to finish it, but I thought he was great in that. Uh, mm-hmm. And when I looked him up, I was like, Ready Player One. So, yeah, I think he's got a brighter future than that movie showed. Yeah, um, I, 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 I can't tell you that I was like completely sold on the character he was playing in this movie. Um, That's one thing. I think Paul Schrader must have thought that the stunt casting was going to work or the, or the casting against type maybe mm-hmm. was going to work on this. And it doesn't, I think you need more grungy type of people in mm-hmm. this than Tiffany Haddish and Ty Sheridan playing these, playing these characters. Um, and so, and so it comes off kind of weird, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's like if you were to make Gwyneth Paltrow, like a, like a gambling, you know, guru or something like you know it doesn't make sense um uh so yeah oscar isaac is great in this uh it's you know it's obviously a movie made for adults which is something that you don't see very often anymore but uh but yeah i overall like i said i i'm on the recommend side of record warn just know that there are some things about it that you're gonna kind of yeah yeah i wish it was something uh... else I don't think I've seen a bad Oscar Isaac performance so far. No. Like even in shitty movies. Mm-hmm. Like Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, even inside Lewin Davis, which I, I have mixed feelings about, he's terrific in that. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, he's he's got the he's got the touch. Any <laughs> of you guys uh, watching that uh Jessica Chastain show with him on HBO? No. Have you I haven't seen that yet, no. 
Well, it's on my list, but I'm waiting to be able to binge it. I'm, I'm repeating myself a lot today. I'm in, a, <laughs> I'm in a marriage. I don't. I don't. I don't need scenes from one. But you love that ScarJo Adam Driver marriage that movie. That was a movie. That wasn't a mini series that I have to invest my time into. I it's love only both like of those five actors. episodes. All right. Anyway, um, I'm going to give you a solid warn without an ounce of Rekka. You know how I do flipping channels. Find a movie I've never heard of from Mm. the mid-aughts. It stars Michael Keaton and Robert Downey Jr. And I'm like, I'll check it out. It's called Game 6. It can only mean one thing. It can only mean one thing. That it's about a playwright who skips his opening night of his new play to watch the Red Sox 1986 game six in the World Series. Mm-hmm. The Bill Buckner ball through the legs, losing the World Series to the Mets. Now, this is about three different movies rolled into one. Huh. And it's very uneven. And it just goes to some wild-ass places. So we only see Robert Downey Jr. He's a, a critic. <clears throat> And everybody says he's a notorious hard ass of a critic who, even if he doesn't like your play, uh, he won't be kind in his review. He will eviscerate you. Um, huh. It's almost uh, a Birdman. This is very Birdman. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's very much. There's a lot. This would be a good double feature for Birdman if this movie wasn't so boring. Um, <laughs> so we only ever see Robert Downey Jr. Um, in these ethereal wandering through his loft apartment, which is full of paintings and tapestries and Buddha statues and eclectic shit, (laughs) while he, like, over-narrates pontificating about art and life and whatnot. Uh, As we get towards the the end, we see him a little bit more, but for the most part, he's playing, like, some kind of a drugged-up bard. I'm not sure what his purpose is in the beginning of this movie. But we're following Michael Keaton. He's in the middle of a nasty divorce. Um, and he's good friends with Griffin Dunn, but Griffin Dunn had a bad review from Robert Downey Jr. a few years ago, and it just sent him into a tailspin. And he's basically homeless, carrying a gun and constantly muttering the actual review that Robert Downey Jr. wrote about his play. This is where the movie starts to get weird, because his play, he says they it was a one time performance, literally on the docks, put on just for the fishermen. But the the New York Times critic apparently showed up to that and eviscerated it so bad, this guy never wrote another play in his life. And he turned into, like, Robin Williams in The Fisher King. Um, What is going on already here? (laughs) Now, we meet Michael Keaton's daughter, um, who's very lovely. Uh, Ari Grainer, she's been other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was Um, in Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Yeah. Yeah. She's almost all sarcastic every time her dad is like, why can't we just have a normal conversation? Why can't things just be the way they used to be? And she's like, oh, you mean going through a huge non-amicable divorce with mom? Why would that change anything? Uh, but she's like punk. Her hair's all punk. This is the 80s, mind you. Um, mm-hmm. So she's like Cindy Lauper, basically looking uh, fishnet things. Um, <clears throat> and they see each other a couple of times, but it all takes place in one day. And tonight's the big opening of Michael Keaton's play. Now, here's one thing I really don't understand. He has apparently never gotten a review from this guy, even though this is his sixth or seventh play. He's an established known playwright 
I guess you would say he's famous even among theater circuits. But they never mention him ever getting a bad review from this guy. They only mention everybody else getting bad reviews. But he knows this guy's coming tonight and he's nervous. That doesn't make any sense to me. This guy probably would have reviewed every single play and even later says he's seen every single play Michael Keaton has written, but he apparently never reviewed them. I don't know. But Keaton is freaked about this, which would be an interesting Birdman type movie, right? Mm -hmm. But then you got to throw in all this Boston Red Sox shit. So (laughs) he's constantly talking about the Red Sox. This is taking place um, in New York. It's not even in Boston. But he's... um, Constantly reciting play calls from famous Boston defeats. Now, it's no secret that Boston has snatched defeat from the jaws of victory several times in their history Mm -hmm. as an organization. The one he Mm -hmm. keeps talking about is the 46 series. Yes, where Slaughter, you know, Slaughter ran from first base all the way to home to score and win the game. And apparently he was a tubby guy who wasn't very fast. Um, But... um, He keeps reciting play calls from famous Boston losses throughout the movie. Like he's Bucky every bit Dan. as obsessed. He's every bit as obsessed with the Boston Red Sox losing as as uh, Griffin Dunn is with the bad review that he got that derailed his career. This is the obvious pl- parallel they're going for here. So <clears throat> it's also known, apparently, that Robert Downey Jr., when he goes to review a play, he dresses up in makeup and disguises <laughs> and he carries a gun. Because he's afraid of being recognized by angry playwrights like Griffin Dunn, who are walking around <laughs> memorizing the review and carrying a gun. I'm going to spoil the fuck out of this movie, by the way. I hope you didn't think that wasn't. Um, <clears throat> so we start seeing him putting on makeup. The little Mrs. Doubtfiery, this part where he's putting on wigs and whatnot and trying on outfits, still pontificating about life and art and bullshit. What the fuck? Michael Douglas goes out for a walk. Oh, the funniest subplot. Michael Douglas, Michael Keaton. The funniest uh, subplot. <laughs> I wouldn't be is surprised that, at this point. If Michael yeah, Douglas just shows. he's extra paranoid about tonight's opening night because his lead actor, a famous actor, Gregory Peck type actor, has a brain parasite and can't remember any of his lines. <laughs> I'm dead serious. We see a scene with him. This is the night of the performance, and the child actor is supposed to say, "This could be it," and the old man is supposed to say. This could be it, but he can't remember the line, even though it's been said right before that. So then Michael Keaton goes, I need to go for a walk, finds himself. He constantly finds himself in a cab talking to the cab driver because he used to drive a cab. And he constantly talks about which bridges he used to pee under uh, and how he misses driving a cab. He asks all the cab drivers, where do you pee? Um, I used to pee under the Manhattan Bridge. Um, so he gets in a cab and this woman mistakes him for somebody she knows that's never explained. And they all go to a bar together because her nephew's with her. Yay. And then the game is on and it's full of Mets fans, obviously. And he's watching game six. And the only time we cut to the play is to show that in the audience, Robert Downey Jr.'s critic is sitting two rows behind Michael Keaton's daughter. We don't really see much of the play. They lose game six, of course. This is mm-hmm. history. It's not, movie's not changing that like Tarantino. Mm-hmm. But Michael Keaton, he goes to the bathroom, washes his face, comes out, and starts starts telling all the Mets fans, hey, you know, you'll get them next year. That was a good game. Because he thinks they won. Because he's so obsessed. <laughs> his brain tricked him into thinking they won. And they force him to watch it again. And he realizes they lost. So then he gets a gun. And he goes to the critic's house. <laughs> 
where after the play, Robert Downey Jr. has taken Michael Keaton's daughter home, as you do. And they're about to do it when Michael Keaton kicks the door in with a gun because he's going to kill this critic. Dude hasn't even had a chance to write a review, good or bad, mind you. So he's just going to kill this guy because the Red Sox lost. But on the way up the stairs, he keeps he says this one call. I, I, I'm going to butcher it, but it's, he says something like slaughter rounding third or something like this. Mm-hmm. So he goes up there and he starts yelling at the critic. You ruined my life. You ruined so many lives, blah, 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 blah. But there's a TV on and a news report comes on. It says, well, the Mets took down the Red Sox tonight and Robert Downey Jr. gets distracted because guess what? He's a Red Sox fan, too. Oh, Michael Keaton doesn't oh. believe it until Robert Downey Jr. turns and goes slaughter rounding third. Oh, and then he's like, God. oh, shit, we're the same person. And they literally sit down and watch the play again of the ball going through Buckner's legs. And now their buddies commiserating on how did he miss that? He's such a good player. We'll get him next year. Oh, the Red Sox are always giving me a hot. And then the movie ends. This is uh, I. I would imagine the reason why he thinks the Red Sox won was because that was that game. The Red Sox were up. Uh, I believe it was five to two, I believe. In the yeah, they had like a two or three run lead. They, <sighs> they, um, it was, I think it was about five to two and they got and the Mets got two outs. And so all that shit happened with two outs. Um, the, uh, I, it was so so certain that they were going to win that NBC, I believe, who was carrying the World Series, uh, came. Bob Costas came down into the Red Sox uh, locker room to interview them after the game Jesus. because they was expecting, and they were had all these, you know, the plastic up for the champagne uh, being splashed around and everything. And uh, Costas was down in this in this uh, locker room when all this stuff happened with the Mets and they came back to win it and everything. And like the, apparently Costas was like, what do you want me to do? And NBC, the NBC director guy goes, you get out of there. You get the fuck out of there now. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he said, he said it was so weird. Like we all got our stuff and, and like everybody was, who was putting up the plastic and everything took all that plastic down. And it didn't look like anything had happened by the time wow. He walked out and wow. um um the other the other weird thing about that is if they truly were saying wait till next year or whatever i mean there was another game after that they had another game after that it went to game seven so uh it, it's 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 weird that they thought i mean i think most people thought it didn't matter in fact it didn't like the red sox had like two or three leads in game seven and it just didn't matter are you that, serious Mm-hmm. This is like people. Okay, I always knew the Miracle on Ice wasn't the final gold medal game, but people get that confused all the time. But this is yeah. what you're doing to me right now. Mm-hmm. I watched this game when the ball went through his legs. I yep. watched it. That was mm-hmm. not the winning. That 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 just tied the series. Holy shit! It went to Game Seven. The Red Sox had, like I said, the Red Sox had two or three leads in Game Seven. And the Mets kept coming back every single time and ended up winning games. All right, that that I feel like a bad baseball fan now. It's like <laughs> it's like the 2003 Cubs where the Steve Bartman game was game six. Yeah, yeah. And the Marlins um, had to come back and to Wrigley. In fact, the Cubs the Cubs got a big lead in game seven and still lost that game. Yep. Yep. I also think it's weird that this movie came out. That's one game six that I just talked about, which you can see on Hulu. Uh, in 2005, 
Literally mm-hmm. one year after the Boston Red Sox finally won the World Series, and somebody was like, I got to go back to the pain. I got to I gotta go back to the pain. I it, can't enjoy this winning. It's possible they made it before. Because remember, Fever Pitch was a movie that they made that didn't have the Red Sox winning. Um, uh, right. And, and then the Red Sox made this big, huge run to win the World Series, and they had to change Fever Pitch like John, like that was going to be a better movie just because the Red Sox won. So they got there's a thing where you watch the you watch the series, and you're like, why is Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon kissing on the yeah. field yeah. afterwards? It's because they re they changed the ending to the movie that they were making, and they were. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just pulled up the Wikipedia for this bit movie first of all michael keaton's playing a character named rogan which is weird because his character in birdman is regan yeah oh, yeah so the the last paragraph in the in the, in the uh in the plot is rogan not only finds the critic but sees him in the early stages of deflowering the playwright's daughter <laughs> the early stages yeah, yeah like they weren't you gotta, quite there yet you gotta prime it you gotta like you know <laughs> you don't want to pull a hammy <laughs> it's the early stages of deflowering his dog like uh like where, where where would where would you say you are in the early stages of deflowering? You know, like where, where, where? I can tell you as I saw the movie, uh, she had her shirt off and they were uh, dry hump kissing on the couch. Oh, okay, so that would be the early stages of deflowering for sure. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to watch this movie now. <laughs> it reminds I mean, me of the IMDb, and anytime there's like you know, like they talk talk about the sex and the nudity or whatever. There's the people who write this stuff, man. They they're like I I, I would be afraid of them in public probably because <laughs> it's just they have they have weird uh, descriptions of sex and stuff like uh, like you know. Uh, there's a scene with a man uh, and his pants are down and the lady is, and they'll say stuff like the lady is uh, putting his mouth on, putting her mouth on his penis or whatever. And it's like, can you just, just say blowjob? Can you not say that? <laughs> she is putting her mouth on his penis. Yeah. It's like, no, no, dude. You, you, you're describing this like someone who's never even seen sex before. <laughs> It's like when I, oh my, my, my dad didn't want me to say bullshit, so I tried cow poop, but that didn't go over much better. <laughs> yeah, all right with that. I it's funny, I'm even I'm looking at the poster. Homeboy uh, even looks, he's got the same goatee as Birdman. This is fucking Birdman. This so, is very, very weird. Whenever very you weird. see something like this, do, do, doesn't, isn't there something in the back of your mind that says that? the like any Ritu saw that movie and then made his own movie from that man like, there's a is, lot of fucking a, parallels here this is a terrible movie but i can make it better by taking out the defloration of the daughter and calling him regan instead of rogan <laughs> yeah yeah although i mean i guess i guess if you if you think emma stone is a virgin and, and birdman you could say that maybe edward norton deflowers her or whatever but. i guess oh my god bb uh, she's your, not. your girl uh your are uh what's her BB name Clarice. yeah uh, <laughs> did you say bb newworth yeah yeah no she's in there what's That's who's uh, in the movie oh she's okay in there, i don't know why he's saying Clarice. No, what's her name in Frasier? Lilith. 
Oh, I thought it was Clarice. You were close. Uh, she's in that movie for literally like two minutes, by the way. I was disappointed. Who plays mm. the uh, the old dude that has the parasite? Sh- Shalom Harlow. Oh, his, I didn't recognize his name, but his face, you know it. It's, uh, oh shit, I'm on the wrong browser. How? Roger Rees? Oh, former former Cheers player, Roger Rees. Oh, so he's got a, a, a reunion. No, it's Harris Eulen. Harris Eulen. Okay. But Roger Rees is a – Roger Rees and B.B. Newworth is a Cheers reunion. There you go. Catherine O'Hare's in this too. I'm probably going to watch this movie, man. Um, <laughs> next pod, Barrett recommends Game 6. Yes. <laughs> so the warn is from just how, how like, scattershot this whole thing is? Yeah. Like, man, pick a lane. Like, like you can't – you can't have all three. Even even two of those might have. Once you start throwing in the brain parasite, we're in silly territory. But then you want me to be very concerned when a gun is brought up at the end and he points it at somebody. Uh, but then you want me to sway my emotional. It's like when he quotes that slaughter rounding third or whatever. It's as bad as why did you say that name? Like it's just like that was what he like. If you have memorized a 1946 radio call from the Boston Red Sox losing the World Series, you're good with me, bro. It's like two motorcyclists pass each other on the road and they're like instantly on the same team. Enos Slaughter is that guy's Martha. why did you say that name why did you make that call prove that you're a fan of this team and he just goes like slaughter rounding third like he could have said anything it's it's, it's all this is the same year that uh robert downey jr did uh kiss kiss bang bang right Uh, um i guess 2005 then yes he's certainly not getting any big huge uh tentpole offers at this point um Shit. But I think he's out of his criminal druggy days at this yeah. point. Yeah. All right. All Paid right. News. Yeah, that's that's happening for me. This, All right. Uh, What's well, on Hulu? Sex. I hope you enjoy it. I actually do want to know what you think if you do watch it. Oh, for sure. I, I will let you know. Uh, I'll round out this round uh, with with very very brief stuff because I haven't finished Squid Game, but everybody's talking about Squid Game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the uh, the series, the Korean series that premiered on Netflix, and God, this is the most watched show of ever in the history of the universe, including Alpha Centauri and shit like that. Like mm. it, it, it's getting so much buzz, and mm-hmm. it's getting TikTok challenges, and it's getting all kinds of craziness. From what I've seen. It's a good show. <laughs> I have uh good show. I'm I'm anxious to see this show uh cuz it sounds delightfully weird, but I have just read this morning there's at least a tiny bit of controversy about the the translation of the subtitles to English. Hmm. Um, people who speak both Korean and English uh pointing out several scenes where the actual intent of a comment is completely changed by lazy translation mm-hmm. so i may wait a bit to see if they sort that out it's gotten enough buzz i feel you feel like netflix will address it and, and change it that but- happens a weird amount of times i remember when we were sending ghost in the shell the <laughs> animated one right yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the good one i guess yeah uh, <laughs> yes the uh i remember 
I had the settings in such a way that the English subtitles and I think the dub had were both on the screen. So right. like, so it was like someone was saying something and the subtitles underneath were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> they we, were subbed, we, we send off. the subbed version, right? The, no, we send the uh, dubbed version, I should say. I can't remember what we did. I think we actually, I, I think we, 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 we send the, um, uh, we send the subtitled version with the, the, we, we, we I mean, they were speaking Japanese and we mm. had the English, uh, translation underneath. Um, but that is a weird thing. Like, yeah, there is, there is a lot that we lose in those translations. Uh, um, uh, and I don't know why they make, if you have somebody who really knows their shit, that's translating this stuff, you would think they'd know how to, uh, emote the, uh, the intent in the words, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe some of these people that translate this stuff, who knows? I'd love to talk to somebody who does that. Yeah. Me I too. Had just a hair of a fascinating experience with that. When we, when I first self published the Ables in 2015, there was a French publisher mm-hmm. that picked it up to publish in France. Uh, Les <laughs> prodigious. Um, <laughs> But I had a few back and forths with the guy who translated from English to French. And it was fascinating because almost every time he was like, there's really no French word for what you're describing here in English. Mm-hmm. Um, here's here's an English translation of how I think the French would say it. And then I would have to choose the closest to what my intent was. And then there was oh. a lot of times where it was just uh, uh, phrases, idioms, uh, the way people speak colloquially that just isn't done in other countries. And so to use a direct translation would confuse the reader. Mm-hmm. Whereas in America, toe the line means something. Mm-hmm. The French translation of toe the line might make them go, why, why are you talking about toes right well, now? Towing the line means the early process of deflowering someone. <laughs> right, yes. right. It's yeah. uh, it's like, yeah, I mean, the French, the French term for uh, window shopping is fair du lèche vitrine, which is window licking. And, and it's, it's like, <laughs> when did that ever fucking come in? Like, oh, I'm, I'm licking windows, man. I'm shopping. <laughs> how the fuck did that come through? Anyway, like, how did that become a thing? Squid Game is, is kind of a combination between the Matrix and the Raid and the, uh, the game. And like all the the work, all the games, all the yeah, stuff. Yeah. it's very very good. Uh, the the contestants are recruited based on you know they're poor or, or they're in mm. debt, mm-hmm. and they are forced to play children's games at their own peril. And it's very very good. The acting is odd. It's an odd choice. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it's way over the top. Sometimes it's nice and subtle. Uh, I am not going to compare this to all of Korean cinema or TV because I've seen enough Korean cinema and TV to where, you know, it, it's, I don't think this is indicative of what I've seen so far. So, uh, it's, it's good. It's got a great premise, interesting stuff. Uh, I'm going to watch the rest of it and, uh, you know, good, 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 good stuff. I would say that this is overall a good series. There is one episode, and I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's called Ganbu, which is a uh, is, is a marbles game that they play later on in this thing. Um, that episode 
is awesome mm. and it's <laughs> and it's devastating and it's um it's one of the best tv show episodes i have ever seen it reminded me of the futurama episode called jurassic bark where oh, the dog uh yeah where fry is trying to uh revive his old dog from the you know 1999 and everything um that episode is really good much like when i watch hunger games uh and, or or anything with games in it i'm i i don't really care about the oppression <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, the, I don't, I don't care about the political aspects of anything. I want to watch it. I want to see the running man. I want to see, yep. you know, even though the running man has its own, uh, you know, uh, Oh, well, look at what they're doing with prisoners. That's wrong or whatever. It, it, it's so ancillary to the whole movie that you just watch. I want to see games. I want to see like strategy being thrown into the mix. I want to see, and it, and, and it seems like writers of these shows and creators of these shows never really want to fully form out something like this for some reason. It, the, the, the idea is not so much that they're playing games, but it's how do they get out of this? And I don't care if they get out of this. I want them to see, I want them to play the games. I want the, I want to see how they win and I want to see them win with their brains and their brawn and whatever else that they got on them that wins games. And, uh, so Overall, I I enjoyed this series. That one episode I talked about was fucking phenomenal. It's worth watching the whole series for. Hmm. So, did you find that the and maybe this balances out later in the series? Did you find that the acting was a little odd? That they made a, so your, some odd choices. Your main guy has his quirks yeah. to him. Yeah, uh, uh, that goes away. Um, by the second episode uh he's he's actually really good um uh a stable presence in the show mm. uh but that first that first one where he's basically like uh, playing a desperate man it does feel over the top it feels like they're playing some sort of like fucking farce uh kind of thing like he's in a farce and he's like oh you know i hope they don't see me naked or some bullshit like yeah, that yeah yeah yeah, and, and I mean, even in the second episode, at least towards the beginning, like he's he's very over the top, and uh, even though he's trying to explain exactly what happened and everything, but <clears throat> okay, good uh, because yeah, I, I, there's some very intriguing characters, uh, you know, throughout, um, and uh, you know, I've read all kinds of things about the, the the creator was working on this for like ten years or something like that, couldn't get it sold, mm. um, and uh, and and now it's in like a whole thing much like um because th this the show has some elements of saw to it too i'm not saying it's torture porn or anything like that but a lot of the games that they throw in there it's impossible i mean it's possible i suppose one and there's a point where there's a game where a guy figures all the numbers in his head and it's like one in thirty-two thousand chance that he will survive uh the game uh i don't like those really uh like i mean that the episode where that guy figures that out that episode is really good mm. um uh but i i i like i like stuff where people actually have a chance and they can actually methodically think through something 
and 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 you know and figure it out and and this and this uh, show is a little nihilistic and it's and it's you know like well you know we're trying to whittle 456 contestants down to you know those most important characters in the show Mm -hmm. so we're gonna murder all these people during these games uh so that we can get to that quickly and none of the games have, except for a couple, have uh, any sort of satisfying, you know, way about them. Uh, but overall, I would say, yes, this is, it's worth its hype. <clears throat> Speaking of taking 10 years to complete something, uh, Patrick shared with me a quote yesterday of uh, Steven Soderbergh uh, talking about uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Mm. Have you heard this? Mm. <laughs> he says... I don't understand how George Miller does that. I really don't. And it's my job to understand it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand two things. I don't understand how they're not still shooting that film. And I don't understand how hundreds of people aren't dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it goes to show that if, if you give a uh, good filmmakers time to do something, then it, I feel like it's usually really good when it comes out. The problem is, is the commerce of it all uh, right. prevents you from doing that. So you alluded to that, Jeremy, about making the Furiosa movie. He's not going to mm-hmm. have 10 years like yep. he had last time. He's going to have only, well, it's going to be about six by the time it comes out. But it's still, it's not, it hasn't been sitting there gestating and he hasn't been able to sit there and go, eh, that's not going to work. And then when he goes on set, he's like, all right, we can confidently make this movie. It's, yeah, you know, everybody, who, even, even the best uh, directors are going to, are, are down to a time crunch a lot of times and these movies that they make can't be the best that they can be. Yep. That's going to do it for this week. Uh, keep going to Syncast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. We're also on CinemaSins Twitter music video since Twitter, Discord, and SoundCloud. That's going to do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Uh, what were you going to say about Seinfeld? I mean, I was interested in it. It was just that I was sitting there like, I want to say stuff about squid game when he's done. And then oh, I'll save it. Going. It was literally about one episode that I had, that I had seen once, uh, back in the day that, that is now on Netflix, the Puerto Rico. Ah, so it's, it's uh, not oh, they put it on Netflix. Yeah. All of them, all the episodes. Well, yeah, but I didn't think, I thought that one was in a vault. I didn't I so think, too. but no, oh, it's, on there. it's the, which Puerto one would Rican- that be? But Puerto Rican Parade oh. episode yeah, it's on there. famously only aired once on NBC. Really? I haven't I seen it. For some, oh, I, I think I've seen that Gay Pride one a bunch. I haven't yeah. seen yeah, the that's Puerto a, Rican one. Well, it's got the same characters. Uh, mm-hmm. well, it, it has those two characters that show up at the end. Uh, mm. But yeah, I watched that. That was... Uh, <laughs> who? Who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think the main thing is it's hard to get like actual practice in. Yeah, I know you're either playing or you're you're not, right? Yeah, I mean, you can. I had yesterday. I had the course fairly to myself, so there were moments where I was able to kind of 
take a practice shot here and there. Mm-hmm. But I'm always, you know, cognizant that there might be people behind me uh, at some point. That you are a rarity in any sort of golf, my friend. Dude, the, <laughs> today I got there. There were two people in front of me. the The guy, the guy who was in front, was going at a normal pace. But I think most of these people who come out, they fancy themselves as future pro disc golfers or something. I don't oh, know what real, it is. Really. Cause they come out there and they, you know, they're just like, they, they do the stretches and then they're like, you know, they, they practice, they do a little practice, like, you know, motion before they go and everything. But the thing that annoyed me about the guy directly in front of me, he would not only take forever. I saw him on the first tee when I was driving up to get in the parking lot. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm gonna have to mill about a little bit before this, before I start walking over there. Cause he's one of the, one of these guys. Mm. And, um, I think he threw one, I mean, there's some people who go out there and they're like, I'm going to throw two discs cause I'm practicing and I'm trying to get better and blah, 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 blah. Um, every time, cause it's, you know, it's wet out there and it started to rain a little bit. Um, every time he would get to the next tee and I would sit there and wait for him on the next tee to wait mm. before he shot his shot so that I could go on my tee and you know, reasonably think that I would be well behind him by the, by the time I get to his tee, but I'm sitting there, I'm waiting on mine. And he's at, I don't know if you remember that one at three where there's a big, huge, there's like a, a circle of trees around it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Around the, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. And there's another tee right back on the, yeah, yeah, I know. yeah. There's another tee right next to it. That's the, that's the fourth hole, which mm-hmm. you throw it and it's like, woods, right? goes into the woods. Yeah. Yeah. I was sitting there waiting for him and I saw him, I, I sat there, was on the phone, sitting there looking at stuff, Twitter, blah, 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 blah. And he's sitting there like wiping off his discs. <laughs> He'd clean one off and I would be like, okay, he's cleaned that one off. So now he needs to go. And then the second disc he'd pull oh, out and wipe it off. These guys, man, it's <laughs> even worse than golf golf. Mm-hmm. I mean, we there are those guys in golf too. I mean, the guys that hit two balls because I'm practicing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there are guys who 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 don't have the quite the talent they think they do, but they take all the time of Bryson DeChambeau or Sergio Garcia in terms <laughs> waggle, of their, waggle, 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 and their warm up. And there's a great <laughs> commercial. Actually, it's not a great commercial. There's a commercial you probably haven't seen unless you watch the Golf Network where Ricky Fowler and three anonymous guys are about to tee off and some dude pulls up in a cart and says, mind if I play through? And Ricky Fowler's like, no, go ahead, because this is what you do in golf. But then the guy gets up there and starts stretching (laughs) and he gets down on the ground to look at the ball at ground level. (laughs) He takes a bunch of practice swings that he takes for fucking ever. And then he like chunks it a few yards. Anyway. (laughs) One thing Jeremy does besides play golf really well, but he always plays what you call ready golf. Like, I will take a practice swing. I don't think I take too long. Maybe I do. You absolutely uh, don't. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, like, I'll – well, you saw me on the tee box. Like, I'll try to line up and see what shot I want to hit. Rarely hit it that way. And then I'll get up and I'll take a practice swing and then I'll hit. Um, Jeremy gets up and fucking goes. And that's the way you really should play. Yeah, I think I take a little bit too much time. but There's times where I should take a beat. And not throw it because I'm like, I, especially at that course, because there's moments where you have to walk up some goddamn hill and oh, shit. 
and you're just sitting there like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. The one by the and, electric tower where you're like fucking oh, straight uphill. The one, yeah, Crockett, after you finish with, um, is it, it's, you finish with nine. You finish with the ninth hole and then you have to go back yeah. up the hill to 10. <laughs> yeah. And, and I get up to all that. downhill and pretty and everything, but then you got to go <laughs> yeah. fucking right straight up. And I get up the hill and I'm like, oh my God, I need to take a break. I need to look at a phone for a second. I need to all this. And then I just end up just going ahead and throwing it anyway. Um, because I just want to get through. I want to go ahead and, and, you know, throw the disc. Cause that's what I'm sitting here. That's what I'm here for. Um, Dotson. We got Dotson here. See, nobody yeah. cares. Right. Nobody cares. Hey, I finally found somebody to clean out my fucking culvert. Ooh, nice. What was the answer? Let me tell you, this has been more of an ordeal than trying to get my grill re-delivered from Alabama. Like, the first thing I did was I called the contractor guy that built my mailbox. Because I thought, Mm. he's a contractor. He's like, I can't do that. I don't know that. I don't do that kind of work. I was like, all right. Next thing I called was my my plumbing company. Because they do both indoor plumbing, but they also do all the septic tank work. Um, And I thought, hey, they've got a lot of equipment. And they're like, oh, we don't do that. I was like, great. So then I started Googling, <clears throat> and I called Rotorooter because they mm. they have offices everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And I got a local dude, and he's like, well, how big is your comfort? And I told him it's almost like three feet wide. And he goes, well, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I said, it's pretty fucking big. And he said, uh, <clears throat> well, why don't you take a picture and text it to this number? I was like, all right. So I did, and I never heard anything for a day. So the next day, I texted again, and I was like, did those pictures come through? And the guy's like, wrong number. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so I go through the whole thing again, call a different Roto-Rooter guy answers, gives me a different number to text to. I text him the pictures, and he says, oh, we can't do that. That's that's out of our scope. So what at this point fuck? is when Chris has recommended to me Public Works. So I email Public Works of my city. And I get an, an out-of-office email back saying I won't be back in until the 4th. That was yesterday. Um, so she emails me back and says, the city will actually clean the culvert for you if you're in the city limits. Unfortunately, you are not. Like, Thank you for That's dashing ridiculous. my hopes. She goes, you could call the county highway department. I don't know if they can help. And I was like, all right, great. So I called the county, county highway department. They can't help. So I'm getting pretty desperate. And at this point, I find this national jet vac company that does industrial plumbing and line clearing and storm drain cleaning with a jet powered vacuum. And the website's like we've got um, 400 different sites in the u.s and then we're in all 50 states yada yada i'm like all right so i emailed this company because they had an email form it was 9 p.m so then i get a guy who comes out and spends two seconds in my driveway he would literally like pulls in doesn't get out of the car and reverses and leaves and then i get a call from the boss man who's not local and he was like okay so it's a little outside of our scope of work, but we can probably do it. But it's going to be pretty expensive. And I think you'd be you'd save money if you went with a local plumber or a contractor. And I, I was like, dude, 
you are the ninth person I have tried. <laughs> Everyone says no, they can't do it. My time I don't is care worth if more you're more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. do this. And so then he quotes me a price, and it's not that expensive at all. Right. It's. I mean, it's a third of what I was expecting it to cost. Uh, and they're going to come out tomorrow morning, clean that bitch out, and we're not going to be flooded anymore. Independent contractors also are like, fuck a website. I still have business cards. I still right. use a beeper. Like, right. I, even when I needed to get the mailbox built, I emailed my realtor and I was like, who the hell do I have do this? He was like, hmm, I don't know. And then you start Googling some, like, if you try and Google just a general contractor, all you're going to get is bullshit fronts for Angie's List and, um, home helper dot bob or whatever where it's going to send your information to like 20 different people who are going to then call you and leave you their beeper number yeah we're going to fire it up we keep uh stocking up on firewood so we'll have plenty (laughs) you're gonna have a whole like fucking backyard full of firewood i don't want to have too much because i know firewood is how you get um spiders and snakes so i'll keep it down to a minimum Eh. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a little spider. I remember in my old apartment, mm-hmm. I kept this wood uh, by this fireplace that I never used. Like for years, I had it there, and I, I luckily didn't have not any not any spiders that I saw anyway. But luckily, I'm sitting there going, "Man, I've had that stack of wood sitting there for like <laughs> three years. There's got to be like all the brown recluses." Yeah. <laughs> Is that yep. a wood burning fireplace? Yeah. No shit. You never used yeah. it, did you? Never used it. Yeah. See, I had a gas burning fireplace at my last house. And I have a gas burning fireplace at this house. Never used them. What? Yeah. How are you we not using a fireplace? I love me a fireplace, man. Honestly, at this point, I would have to look at a YouTube video to even know fucking how to do it. Like, I know they're fairly standard in how they operate, but I don't <laughs> have any clue. Well, you probably, for your one now, you probably just hit a button on the remote and like. No, <laughs> it's like, it's this. Yeah, yeah, there's like a. There's like a, what's it called? Igniter and then like a primer and you have to like pump the primer and then hold the igniter to clear the lines. I did it once. I, I mean, I watched the YouTube video once. I didn't <laughs> turn on the. Fire, I totally did. I mean, once. yeah, I mean, I watched the YouTube. <laughs> it's my birthday today and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go oh, happy out. happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, I was going to go out and get something uh, like fancy. And then I was like, I don't really feel like getting anything fancy. First of all, there's nothing fancy in my neighborhood. Uh, so I was like, if you could have anything right now, what would you want? I was like, I would want a big bowl of pasta with some like mm. garlic and truffle oil and fucking like. That's the shit. Parmesan, mazithra right. cheese, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it was the tits. Nice. Mm-hmm. I uh, nice. jerked off at nice nice i did but if i did i would have olive oil okay hey it's your birthday you can <laughs> use whatever pasta you want to masturbate <laughs> bucatini is um, the best yeah exactly happy will. birthday yeah Thanks, happy man. birthday to Barrett. this time uh two years ago i was uh sitting by the louvre Ah, uh, yes louvre <laughs> what about Brett Favre? Favre. <laughs> Favre. 